Welcome to Behind the Warrior, a podcast presented by the EOD Warrior Foundation. This series will focus on resources, interviews, and topics impacting EOD warriors, their families, and the military community at large. Hi, Sherry. How are you doing? I'm well, Mike. How are you? I am doing great. I'm really excited about today's Behind the Warrior podcast. With us today, we have Beatrice Lovemore. Beatrice is the Veteran Affairs Director for Okaloosa County here in Florida Panhandle. And uh, I have known Beatrice for many, many years. I'm very excited to have her on to talk about all things uh, veteran services, disability veteran services. So Beatrice, uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. We are really happy to have you. And uh, before we get started, um, how are you doing? I'm doing great today, and thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, we're we're even more thrilled to have you because uh, this is a topic that uh, I have personally dealt with in trying to help military transitioning to civilian status or veterans who are looking to get their VA benefits. This this is a a subject that I have worked with so many veterans and families, and so I'm really glad that you are here to uh, hopefully encourage people, learn more about how to go about their benefits and, and how they work. So thank you so much. And before we get started, how about, uh, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I am, um, I was, I'm from Georgia, and I retired from the Navy EOD school at Eglin, not as an EOD tech, but as the admin chief. And um, I had some good, I spent 22 years in the Navy, and some good assignments, but when I was offered a position at Eaglin Air Force Base, I was like, okay, what is Eaglin? So, <laughs> right. But it worked out really well, and I'm glad that I found myself here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I have two grandchildren, a boy and a girl. Two daughters to go along with it, but they don't count, right? <laughs> Not once the grandchildren come into play. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I um, we arrived here in 1989 nice. and have been here ever since. So you call the Panhandle your home then? Because I've actually spent more time here than I have anywhere else. Yes, I do. Yes, we do. Right. Very cool. Well, Beatrice, how long have you been the Director of Veterans Benefits for Okaloosa County? And can you also just give us a, a, some information on what your role is as Director? Okay. I, was, um, I have been in this position since July of 2002. I resigned from my prior position on Friday and found myself in St. Pete the following Monday we were handed a two-inch binder and was told that there would be a test on Friday. And it was at that point I had no idea what I had gotten myself into. (laughs) (laughs) But made it through the class and and have continued to to get an exam every year or so to keep us on our toes. Mm -hmm. And um, what we do, the main focus of our office is to assist veterans and other beneficiaries in the application of any VA benefit that they may be entitled. 
we also, when I started doing this in 2002, the closest VA anything was Pensacola. So we had to kind of know a little bit about the entire VA process, education, healthcare, et cetera, et cetera, uh, voc rehab. But uh, over the years, the VA has reached our area more, so this gives us the chance to focus more on the compensation and pension side of the house. When a veteran or a surviving spouse comes in, we provide them with the appropriate information and documentation that they need and assist them in application for it. If they are denied, we assist them with the appeal. Um, so we're here for them throughout the entire VA process. We don't uh, begin something and not end it with them. So that is our main focus. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of important work goes on in your office, Beatrice, and I know you've been leading the charge for a long time, and we appreciate that. You've helped a lot of our EOD technicians and just veterans, you know, at large, so we appreciate all that you do. Thank you. You're welcome. If if you are a local veteran um, or anywhere in the U.S., where do you begin to get your VA benefits started? Okay, um, you can... There's a couple of three ways. The VA has a program um, called eBenefits. It is a self-contained program where the veteran can file file their claim online, track the claim, and they can also obtain any necessary VA supporting documents that they need for local benefits. They can reach out to some of the national service organizations and there is one like myself all over the country to assist veterans. And that is our main stay is to assist veterans because we are here five days a week. But um, if they are kind of uh, do not have an understanding or have questions, of course, you would seek assistance from offices such as ours or one of the local service halls if they wish. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. So, so talking about some of the other uh, veteran sur- service organizations, such as the Disabled American Veterans, the American Legion, the VFW, just to name a few, um, all these organizations can represent a veteran in, a, in applying for claims benefits. But there's also um, the county uh, veteran service officers, such as yourself, which uh, I have referred many people to, along with the other organizations. Is there is there uh, any kind of difference between the uh, VSOs that I just mentioned and the county? How do you guys, uh, what separates you, or how do you work together? Well, we are, the county offices are open, most of them are open um, five days per week. And the, we kind of work in conjunction with or complement the other service orgs. For example, we are, when we, finish, when we go through our training annually, we are certified with the national service organizations such as the DAV, the VFW, the American Legion. And their OIGs send us a letter saying, yes, we authorize you to represent and assist a veteran under my service org, DAV, VFW. Um, so 
I look at kind of like a partnership. I know the rapport that I have developed with the local ones in our county, if they're not available to assist a veteran, for example, when COVID hit, the, the offices in Crestview closed, so all of those veterans that went to the DAV in Crestview in turn came to seek our assistance. So I think that we are all in this together, and what different sets us apart is that we are there five days a week. I get, um, we get up to the minute information from the VA, and we are authorized to access a veteran's file within the VA system. Read only, I, I gotta add that. I wouldn't want the responsibility of making any changes. So, you know, if they can't, sometimes a veteran will go to the DAV, and if it's something they need, they will send them to us. So, we're kind of all in this together. It's just that offices like ours are open five days per week, and we have to go through the accreditation annually as well as they do. Mm-hmm. That's a great uh, explanation. Thank you. And uh, mm-hmm. you touched on it earlier. You talked about e-benefits and what e-benefits does for the veteran. I think many people in the military that are transitioning out, either retiring or or, or separating, they are encouraged to sign up, and most of them do sign up for e-benefits. Uh, would you recommend someone who, let's say, got out of the military and didn't know anything about e-benefits or forgot to sign up for it, would you recommend that they do sign up for e-benefits? And, and, uh, I do, mm-hmm. because on the e-benefits, um, like I said, they can track their claim, and then if they have questions, they can come to us. For example, if a veteran has a claim pending on e-benefits, it may say it, he or she may see that it is closed. But that's not necessarily so because that could mean that the VA has finished developing for evidence. But I suggest that they do set up an account so that when they receive their decision, like in the state of Florida, when a veteran is 10% or up to 90, they would get an extra $5,000 on tax exemption. Well, that letter that they can obtain is in e-benefits, and they can print that out and take it to the property appraisers to apply for the benefit. Or a veteran that is seeking civil service, position and want to apply and use their veteran's preference, you can go on to e-benefits and print that letter out. So I suggest that everyone at least get an account so that they can kind of look at what is going on with their claim and to get the letters they will need for their particular state benefit. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, yeah. your, in your experience or what you know about e-benefits, uh, would you say that they are pretty up-to-date and accurate as far as posting the latest information, or, or does it drag a little bit, or do you think they're pretty good at keeping it updated? No, it's pretty good. They're good at keeping it up-to-date, uh-huh. That's great. Because some uh, some of our clients, they check their e-benefits every day. Uh, for example, if a person is granted disability compensation, it'll, it will show up in e-benefits before the veteran receives the letter from the Department of Veterans Affairs. So that way, if they need that letter, you know, to obtain a letter 
they're 100% total and permanent, they can get it instantly and they'll have it before they even receive the final explanation from the VA by mail. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, e-benefits definitely seems to, to be the way to go. Yes. Set up an account. We're here to help them all we can, but if they... And, and we are a small office, but we and we stay kind of busy. And if we file the claim for them, that way they can just go to eBenefits and check the status of the claim, mm-hmm. and that leaves us free to assist the next person and save the, a lot of phone calls. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. Sounds- but if someone's not really comfortable with it, you know, we can show them how to log on and, and help them with that. Mm-hmm. But it is good to have that account. But if you need our services, yes. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you for that. Um, no well, problem. Beatrice, many veterans think that they, if they have a VA uh, doctor diagnosis um, and they diagnose them with a medical condition, that it will automatically translate to a VA disability. Can you talk to us about how a veteran goes about getting a medical condition considered? For VA service-directed compensation? Yes, there are five ways on the current law wherein as a veteran can establish service connection. There's the direct service connection, and that's when your service treatment records show that you have a condition and were diagnosed during the military Mm -hmm. and continues to affect you. Aggravation, that is... Say like if you went into the military with uh, a type of condition and they allowed you to come in, maybe a foot issue, mm-hmm. but, but it didn't present a problem at the time. If in the course of your military career, in the course of your duties, if the duties aggravate that pre-existing condition, then that you can make that service connection by being by it being aggravated. The third way is um, presumptive, and that is when a veteran is at a particular place at a particular time. For an example, Agent Orange. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we've all heard of that. Mm-hmm. There are and the Gulf War syndrome. There are certain conditions that if you are diagnosed with. For example, exposure to Agent Orange and a veteran today being, however, at their age, come down with a coronary artery disease, once it's proven that they were exposed to Agent Orange, no matter how many years later, the VA presumes that condition was caused by the exposure to Agent Orange. And the fourth way is secondary. For example... If you have a veteran that is diagnosed with diabetes and they have neuropathy in their lower extremities, your service connected for the diabetes and the neuropathy in your lower, diabetic neuropathy in your lower extremities, those would be secondary to the primary condition of diabetes. And the last one, is injury as a result of treatment. That's for an example um, where disease, injury, death, or aggravation of an an existing disease occurs as a result of having submitted an examination 
a medical surgical treatment or hospitalization. So if you're in the VA, you know, if you're having some surgery and something goes wrong and it's the fault of the doctor, then you can file that as a injury as a result of treatment. And, and if you're attending voc rehab and something happens, that condition as well can be treated as an injury okay. and related to the VA. Now, a VA doc physician may diagnose you with anything. They treat you like, you know, your civilian family practices. But by virtue or nature alone, if, it, if the disability does not fit into one of those categories I just mentioned, if the VA doctor diagnoses you, that does not necessarily make it a service-connected disability. It all goes back to the basic of establishing a service connection. Understood. Well, thank you for that. That was a great, great explanation of, of how someone can set their expectations. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, and we see it a lot, and one would think, but the VA um, benefits side, they set the criteria. Mm-hmm you know, as to what and how and when and where. So going to the next thing that I I would love for you to talk about, um, with the post-9-11 war on terrorism in Iraq and Afghanistan and elsewhere, we have many veterans in the EOD community and also just everywhere that are disabled to the point where they require a caregiver, usually a family member, could be the spouse, could be the parent, um, could be other, but uh, this is this is a program that uh, is very important. And could you talk a little bit about the VA caregiver program and uh, how does it work? And also, is there any any changes coming to it that you're aware of? Okay, effective one October, the twenty twenty, the Veterans Affairs Program of Comprehensive Assistance for Family Caregivers. The program that was in effect prior to the enactment of this program, it was only for veterans who served post-9-11. After 2001, it did not go back to touch upon our Vietnam veterans, et cetera, et cetera. This enhanced program does. And um, the, an application is made to, well, VA Form 1010-CG has to be completed. You apply for it. And like you said earlier, it can be a family member or someone who's going to be your caregiver. And um, the requirement of who should consider applying is a veteran who has a single or combined service-connected disability rating of 70% or more. And they will need in-person personal care services for a minimum of six continuous months. And the ability, an inability to perform activity daily or need a supervision, protection, or instruction. So we just received the fact sheet on that today. and. The mainstay is the veteran has to be 70% or more, and um, they need that one-on-one daily care. 
Right. Uh, we have some, um, they can apply in person through the VA Medical Center, or they can apply online or and complete a VA Form 10-10CG. We just did a couple this morning, as a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. So that will... That will encompass of some of our older veterans who meet that requirement. It will go beyond the 9/11 veterans. Right, right. Um, but a lot of these, uh, a lot of the programs and the changes, and just the forms and everything that we've been discussing so far, um, all of this is available on the va.org website. Is that correct? You can just yes, okay. va.gov. Uh -huh. Va.gov. Simply. Okay. Yeah, just simply Google va caregiver program and it pulls it right up and kudos to the VA website. I keep it open on my desktop all the time. <laughs> yeah, we, we have actually, we have a resource library here at the UD Warrior Foundation and uh, we have put a lot of VA links uh, to these programs on, on there. So yeah, they've, they've done a, a good job and I think they're getting better. So I agree with you on they that. They are, yes. Mm -hmm. Very informative and up to date. Uh-huh. We will help them complete the application as well if they need the assistance. Okay. Thank you for that, Beatrice. Um, what would you tell a veteran today who is listening who has filed for their VA disability benefits but wants to give up because it's just too hard or they were initially denied? I would suggest that they contact a service an office such as ours or one of the service orgs so we can, and that's why we do the one-on-one. -on -one. And in our case, we can sit them down, we can pull up their file in the VA system, follow the trail of approvals, denials, and from that, we can tell the veteran how to proceed. Mm -hmm. Um and that's one thing I certainly appreciate as a service officer that we were allowed access to the VA system because sometimes the letter that the veteran has isn't the most recent or they don't have them all. Mm -hmm. But we can better. I, I take their word, yes, of course, but I like to follow that trail and we will look at what they submitted, what the VA decided, and then from that, we can assist them to say, well, you need to do this, this, and this. And the VA letters have changed over the years, and they've gotten much more easier. But, yeah, I would not suggest if it happened to them on active duty, after a year, you know, it expires, and you have to have new and relevant evidence. So when you receive your decision, don't put it aside, and forget about it. It's best to pay attention to it within a couple of months, look at it, contact a service officer of their county or of their state, and then have a sit-down with that service officer and let them try to help you review. That's what we're taught, to review and understand the decisions, and then take what is there and try to have the veteran and assist the veteran in obtaining what evidence of what information is needed to get that claim approved. 
Are they all going to be always approved? You know, that may, that's, we're not in a perfect world, but at least try. Mm-hmm. And think of your family members, you know, when you're not here, if something happened to you, if they're solely dependent upon you and something happened to you and we can't help that person prove that your cause of death is related to the military, that can be a hard pill to swallow because your income is reduced, the surviving spouse and our children income are reduced. So we like to say, don't give up, don't rip it up and throw it away like some of our veterans have told us they've done. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Sit down and take a look at it. You know, the VA is there to assist and grant benefits, and that's what they do. But there are requirements for those benefits. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay. So I think I've heard you before when we've we've talked in the past, and you said it's nice because you're able to look into the crystal ball to kind of see, yes. and like you said, the trail of what has been sent, what has been, you know, um, proven, what has been obtained. right, what's been obtained, yeah. all those sorts of things. So you really are able to sit down and methodically go through what has happened and give them a better picture. But um, I love that you're encouraging folks not to give up and don't rip it up and, you know, don't give up. No. It's, it's important. Don't give up. Yeah. yeah. Because it is very, it becomes important. And at the time, I, okay, I'll put it out there. When I retired and got my decision, I just set it aside. You know, I was busy going on with another career. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as we get older, things happen to us, and <laughs> it's much easier to prove if you handle it right then and there. For example, some of our veterans will call and you, on the phone, well, they didn't give me anything and blah, 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 and you bring them in. And you look at their rating decision, and they do have a zero for that back. So they didn't give you any monetary benefits, but they did say that it's related to your your military service. And you can come back 10 years from now and file for an increase on that zero percent. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yes, I, I encourage everyone that we that we come in contact with, too, when you receive that rating decision, look it over if you, you know, absorb it, think about it, and then try to move forward if it's something that really happened to you on active duty. Mm -hmm. Very important. Thank you for that. And Um, all of our services are free of charge. Just saying. Yeah, which is awesome. You know, that's fantastic. Um, So how has this year's COVID um, pandemic impacted the VA system and your office and how have you have you worked worked through it? Ah, uh, oh yes. The impact on the VA side is that you know they were still open, still filing claims, but people were working from home. And a lot. The only thing that I that really it really impacted was the examinations, which are mm-hmm. usually one on one. Right. And with COVID, a lot of those examinations either were done via video, if it was something that could be done via video. Mm-hmm. But over the last couple of weeks, things are beginning to get back in place and all of the contract examinations are being pushed so that veterans can now get those examinations they need. 
in our office, um, our doors were closed, so, but we came in to work every day and we assisted veterans by phone. We would set a time and a date, call that veteran, prepare the paperwork, get the paperwork to the veteran for signature, they get it back to us and we submit it. So mm -hmm. it slowed it down a little bit as far as, of course, there was no traffic at one point, and now we only work by appointments, but we never really stopped. We were always here to take the call or to try to go ahead and assist that veteran that, that need our services. Mm -hmm. Very good. Yeah, I think the uh, compensation exams, too, across the country is, are starting to open back up the locations. That's what I saw anyway. Yes, they, um, mm -hmm. we received some information from the VA of, I think it was, a, I don't know, I get so much, uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago and said that all examinations are being processed. So we just received a lot of calls of that are from veterans. I haven't had my exam, you know, well, give it a little time and, they should be getting it back on track to, we're seeing more and more veterans tell us that they have an exam schedule. So things are working out. Um, and But prior to COVID, it was awesome. We were filing claims and getting decisions back sometimes within um, two months. Mm -hmm. It was, they, they really had stepped it up. But we'll be mm -hmm. back to that point one day. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Beatrice, um, again, I am so thankful sherry and i both are that you've come on to this podcast uh, there's a lot of really good information here and uh so for the veterans here in okaloosa county that want to reach out to your office where are you located and and how do they contact you what's the best way okay our phone number is 850-651-7258 and be patient because we get a lot of calls we're located one office at 1250 North Eglin Parkway, Suite 302, and that's Shalimar, the new county administration building. The other office is located in our Crestview area at 601B North Pearl Street. Due to staffing, the office in Crestview is only open on Tuesdays. But most of the veterans have to come to the Shalimar area to see their VA doctor anyway, so they don't mind the traveling back and forth. So, and we're here um, every day, Monday through Friday, 8 to 12 and 1 to 5. Well, there you go, folks. That's how you get a hold of Beatrice if you're here locally. Uh, if you're not here locally, then you can certainly uh, go online. You can Google, and I believe the VA also has a list of the uh, county VSOs. And how to contact Yes, you. you can just, whichever county you're located, in the state of Florida, there's one like myself. So just, you can just Google the county service office and it'll bring the number up. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, before we let you go, we want to have a little bit of fun with you. So we'd like to play a little bit of questioning of what's your favorite. So we're, <laughs> so we're going to get started. Oh, dear. Yeah. Find out a little bit more about you. So what... what We'll go. We'll go easy. We'll start off easy. What What's your favorite movie? Ooh, um. <laughs> you don't like nothing. <laughs> okay, the one I tell my friends is Top Gun. The one I tell my close friends is The Omen. 
Oh, 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 that's funny, Beatrice. Uh, I don't even know if we have enough time to unpack the oh, omen, but we'll so just leave funny. that one alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, since you said the omen, I'm probably guessing what's your favorite time of day? <laughs> oh, um, I'm at my best at 9 o'clock at night. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, like the nighttime, okay. And how about the season of the year? What's your favorite season? Um, Christmas. I do. I like Christmas. It takes me back to my childhood days mm-hmm. a few days ago. So <laughs> <laughs> That was just a little while ago, Beatrice. Mm-hmm. Just a little while. Just, just a, a tiny while. little while. Yep. That's right. And we are almost there. And uh, how about uh, meals? Do you, do you like to prepare meals or do you have a favorite meal you like to eat yourself? Or what's... What's your thoughts on that? I do not like to prepare meals, so pretty much a meal that is prepared for me. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm good. I've got scars from trying to cook, so I don't do kitchen. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. So, what would be your uh, uh, favorite dish or your favorite uh, cuisine? I like um, spaghetti. I do just mm-hmm. regular plain spaghetti. Mm, mm-hmm. I like that too. Um, how about relax relaxation method? You have a very stressful job. You work many long hours. So, what do you do to relax and unwind? My family says that I don't, but I turn on my Echo and say, "Alexa, play me the rain," and I just like to listen to the raindrops. Mm. Yeah. And it, it's very calming for me. Yep, I agree. And how about a hobby? Do you even have time for a hobby, or is there anything that, that, that you like to get involved with when you're not working? Um, I like to um, I do read some. I like to get on my phone and talk to my grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just like, um, I like having the TV on. Mm-hmm as a background noise and I'm always up like I said my family say you don't relax but I'm always doing something but um I like to read a little bit I get up in the morning and my daughter sends me a um thought for the day and mm-hmm. take some time with that nice yeah. nice mm-hmm. how yeah, so are your grandchildren in there are they here in Florida or where where are they my grandson lives in South Georgia, and my granddaughter lives here, mm-hmm. and she's a freshman in high school at Aww. Nightfield. <laughs> uh-huh. Very nice. Very yes. nice. Well, cool. Well, Beatrice, we have certainly enjoyed talking with you. It's always a pleasure to talk with you, no matter where we see you or um, out and about at, at VSO meetings or wherever it may be. You're just a joy to uh, to talk with and be around. So. Thank you very, very much for your time. No problem, and thank you for inviting me. And um, take care, and let me know if you need anything. Thanks, Beatrice. You sure will. Thank you, Mike. Have a great day. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to our Behind the Warrior podcast. This series is provided to you by the EOD Warrior Foundation. To learn more, please visit us on Facebook or at eodwarriorfoundation.org. And don't forget to tell a friend.